I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. Holy Batman. I'm sitting here in my big, comfortable black leather papa chair in my living room, and I'm rubbing my feet and drinking coffee like mad, trying to get over the uncomfortable suspicion that either the Grinch stole our mailboxes so we couldn't send Christmas cards, or some bright light at the post office department decided that they could save lots of money delivering mail if they didn't collect it anymore. It looks like our mailboxes have now gone the way of outdoor phone booths, rooftop TV antennas, hula hoops, lava lamps, and mini skirts. I've been rubbing my feet because I was walking a lot today, getting to a meeting in New York City for my day job. Meant to drop off a letter at the post office down the block from my house on the way to taking the Amtrak train, but it was too early in the morning for the coffee to kick in, and I forgot. Early mornings are that way for me. I have an old-fashioned alarm clock that goes off with a noise that's somewhere between an arriving locomotive and a dive-bombing seagull. It's awful, you know, but to be honest about it, I like it better than those new clocks that wake you up with a soft music and a gentle whisper, because I can't take hypocrisy early in the morning. Anyway, I found the letter I needed to mail hiding in my jacket pocket when I pulled out my train ticket. So I was thinking, it's no big deal. You know, I just drop it in the mailbox at Penn Station. Now, I live in a small town in Pennsylvania now. We don't have any mailboxes here. But ever since I was a kid growing up in New York, there was always a mailbox at Penn Station. So it was kind of a surprise to see that it was gone. But still, you know, no big deal, right? I figured I'd just drop a letter into some mailbox on my way to the meeting, which is about a two-mile walk away. It was over on the east side, up at 52nd Street. Lots of street corners where there used to be mailboxes, but they're all gone. Now, you may wonder why I didn't take a subway. Well, that's because it was morning rush hour. And trust me, you don't want to ride a subway in New York City during rush hour. They say that last year... Six million fewer New Yorkers didn't ride the subway at rush hour. And you know what? Nobody noticed. So I started walking and walking and walking. No mailboxes. Now, mailboxes are as American as baseball, as important as the strikeout and the home run, as vital to our way of life as hot dogs and beer. In a 21st century world far too full of neutered, mangled men and worn-out women, we know we can always look forward to the, the topper to short, the lunge, the flip, the spin at second, the stretch, and the scoop at first, that dastardly double play. And until now, we kind of took for granted that small pleasure of pulling down the squeaky lid and cramming a fat envelope into that little toaster slice sized opening and pushing it shut and then opening it again to peek in to see that our envelope was down there in the belly of the beast ready to take its journey across the fruited plain, sometimes all the way from sea to shining sea. I guess I should have seen this coming. There are no more subway tokens in New York now either, and no comic books on the newsstands, and no good humor trucks. Life is getting even tougher and tougher in New York, 
In some neighborhoods, my friends tell me they're selling the Bible under the counter, and they have alternate side of the street muggings. Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake at night out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. In 19th century Italy, people believed that mustard and ketchup would cause people to be overcome by uncontrollable lust. Which is not surprising, you know, considering that things get pretty hormonal all the time in Italy, but... I'm trying to get my mind around an Italian Burger King full of people overcome by uncontrollable lust. It's a little hard. Historians say that in medieval times it was considered uncouth to spit across the table or blow your nose on the tablecloth. You wouldn't believe it, but even now my lady wonder wench still feels the same way about it. Gets upset when I do that. The smart guys in the white lab coats say there is no other intelligent life in the universe. And we know that because if there were, why haven't they contacted us? And Big Louie, the chief mustard cutter of the Louie Louie generation, says that the fact they haven't contacted us may be entirely good proof that they are intelligent. (laughs) Dicks to tails, they take your mind off your mind. Now, you've lived. You know, you've been to the big city. Hey, you know that traffic in New York City is like no other city in the country. And, and I think like most big cities, they probably have to cut back on expenses. So I have this hunch that in New York's public high schools, the driving teachers probably have to share their cars with the sex ed teachers, you know, to save money, right? Now, think about how that would create something of a confusing kind of instruction. You probably hear things like, never blow in your partner's ear while he or she is looking for toll money. (laughs) Or, close your eyes and enjoy what's going on only when you come to a complete stop. When the car comes to a complete stop, that is. Or, never touch your lover's favorite erogenous zone while she is asking for directions. This, of course, doesn't apply to guys because we don't have to ask for directions. Never unhook anything while your partner is trying to switch lanes on a superhighway. Always remember to remove your (laughs) seatbelts. And possibly most important, don't assume that just because a woman approaches your car and asks for money in Times Square that she is a parking meter maid. (laughs) There's a story in the, the Love and Touch personal audio CD about parking meters. Well, it's sort of about parking meters. This is a parking meter life. You've got to keep feeding it daily dreams, sweat, and belly laughs. It's the nickel and dime things that make it tick. And if all you've got is a fat 20 or a big deal, your future can get towed away. Because parking meters don't make change. There's a waiter in a pea-souped apron who sweats 10 hours a day on concrete feet for two-bit tips. But the dishes never make a sound when he puts them down. Because that's his specialty. Nobody else does it. It's not much, but when people snap their fingers at him, he's still his own man. This is a parking meter life. 
You can buy part of eternity for a penny if you're a dreamer like the skinny kid with glasses and big ears who built the best paper airplanes in the fifth grade. He couldn't pick up a football, but everybody knew that he was into something special. Maybe he was watching his airplanes flying unchanged through two generations. If you have kids, you'll teach them paper plane folding just like you saw him do it. Ice cream that you lick off the lid of the box tastes better than when it's scooped into a dish. Cold water from a garden hose in August bubbles better than champagne. This is a parking meter life. Anything good is better than nothing. And if we can't carve our names and our love story into the sun to warm and guide children of our own and their children and all children to come, if we can't spend our lives hand in hand and in the end stand before the mighty God in the protection of each other's arms, I will at least hold you through this night of our first loving and our smiles will wake once on the same pillow. I would have settled for much less in this parking meter life. You know, sometimes writing a story like that is a little bit like spying on yourself. I used to live pretty much alone inside my own head. And then I met my lady and I knew right away that I had to bring her in to live there with me at all costs. And there were huge costs involved. There were lots of times when it felt like I was feeding my last quarter into my parking meter. That's why every morning now, and for a very long time, I always reach out and actually touch her smile, be sure it doesn't disappear. The story is called The Parking Meter Life. It's from the Love and Touch Personal Audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast, or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to www.dicksummer.com and download it from the Love and Touch icon on the home page. Outdoor phone booths, rooftop TV antennas, hula hoops, lava lamps, mini skirts, subway tokens, comic books, good humor trucks, and now mailboxes. Gone. All gone. Even Batman can't bring them back because he's gone too, except in reruns. Regular light bulbs are our next, I guess. That's coming. Now, the poet says the moving hand of time has writ, and having writ, moves on. But you know what? Sometimes I get lucky, and that moving hand of time just gives me kind of a nice back rub in the process. Yeah, the mailboxes are gone, but, you know, email is easier and faster anyway. My lady wonder wench's smile doesn't disappear from my pillow in the morning. Baseball's spring training is coming again. And in the end, no matter how often I watch the video, I have noticed that the Grinch never does manage to steal Christmas.
Okay. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.